following is a Tony Lasano podcast and OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Welcome to the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon, along with Lou Costable, and we're back for yet another episode of the Car Guys Report here on Radio Misfits Podcast Network. And uh, here we are, Lou, the... uh, Spring weather has finally arrived in the Midwest. Uh, I've been to a couple of uh, cars and coffees in the uh, last uh, couple of weeks. Actually, one got snowed out a week ago, which was pretty unbelievable. But the nice thing about snow in the Midwest in April is it goes away quickly. So here we are. But uh, anyway, um, I had some good news. I talked to uh, the body shop that is working on my 1975 Firebird Formula 400. Uh, You may recall that I am uh, getting sympathetic paintwork done on that car because it's a largely original car. I want to try to preserve as much originality as possible. And they're doing uh, sympathetic paint touch-up. And I was talking to my guy uh, recently, and he said that he had his paintless dent guy come out and uh, was successful in massaging out a whole bunch of uh, little dings and and dents on the car. And there was actually one, I haven't seen it yet, but there was one dent on the top of one of the front fenders where it looks like something probably fell on it in a garage. And he said that they got that out. And it's like awesome because I'm just so excited when that car is ready because it's going to look so cool. And it just, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped for that. And as soon as I get it back, I had the uh, clock repaired. Um, that's going to go back into the um, dashboard, and then it's going to be off to a different place to install a, a Hotchkiss uh, suspension kit. So I'll be uh, ready to rock and roll hopefully sometime in the middle of summer with that car. But uh, I know that recently you've been to a couple of uh, major car shows. Um, Want to talk? tell us a little bit about that? I was out in California and went to the Classic Auto Show. That was out at Orange County Fairgrounds. Uh, one of the cars that was, well, many cars were special, but one of the cars that was uh, memorable was Preston Tucker's Tucker from mm-hmm. the Peterson Museum. So there's only 51 of those cars. Um, so to have Preston Tucker's own Tucker was pretty cool. I didn't get We didn't get this started. I don't think it was running that day. Uh, it appears that it does run, just not that day. So we did what we could to, to get that. And that's that about going. a $2 million car, I think, on the open market. <laughs> yeah, I have no <laughs> idea what that would go for. I know that there was one, I think, that was recently uh, went through auction. I think it went somewhere north of a million, million and a half, something like that. But they always command big money because they're rare and they're unique and, and they're very cool. Yeah. What color was that one? This one was black. And uh, the unique thing about the car is in the back end of the car, you've got a helicopter engine mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah, so, the big flat six in there. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. I've seen a couple of interesting cars on the road. Um, another thing, too, here in the Midwest, as the weather gets warmer, you start seeing people bringing their cars out of storage and stuff. And I like to see the stuff on the road in motion, not just at a, a Cars and Coffee or a car show. And uh, I might use the word garish here in relation to a, a Ferrari, a bright blue, and I mean garishly bright blue Ferrari FF, which is their first uh, all-wheel drive vehicle they brought out about 10 years ago. It's almost akin to uh, kind of a larger, almost like a high station wagon. And this thing had gold and white stripes on the blue with these huge, they must have been 22-inch gold rims. So, <laughs> Did it look good? It, in its own way. You know, it's not what you expect a Ferrari to look like, especially no. an FF. So 
it's obviously somebody that had a probably a bespoke uh, paint job either from the uh, uh, factory or it might have been a wrap, too. I didn't see it up close because a lot of the times lately with the, the technology of the vinyl wrapping on cars, you'll see a, a high-end car like a Lamborghini or something, and it's like, wow, that's a bizarre color, and you think it's paint. Then you walk up to it, and you start looking very closely, and you say, oh, this is a wrap. So it's cool when you, when you do that. So I don't know if what – I have no idea what it was, but – um, and then two other interesting vehicles. Um, I happened to be traveling outside of the area in a more rural uh, area a couple of weeks ago, and I saw a, what appeared to be an all-original early '60s international travel all in white, and just a clean, honest-looking vehicle uh, on a country road. And those are rare, and they're desirable too. Because I mean, who would have ever thought that a, a travel all or a scout from internationals? commanding money these days but they are so that was nice to see and then um something that is always interesting too is we see a lot of cars in car magazines or online you see pictures and you and they they either might look cool in pictures then you see the thing in real life you're like or the other way around and i finally saw one of the the brand new uh, lamborghini urises that that suv that is just like the mother of all suvs it goes for about uh two hundred twenty five thousand dollars i saw one of those on the road and it was either was at at dusk so i couldn't tell if it was black or gray but that thing looked phenomenal it just looked so cool just totally (laughs) badass it was just awesome (laughs) and better for that price but yeah it was it was very cool so that's some of the cool stuff that i've seen recently driving around um on the roads and it's always like i said a pleasure to see that thing and um you know, while you're listening to the Car Guys Report, uh, of course, available online at radiomisfits.com. You can uh, tweet us at Car Guys Podcast, and you can also email us. We'd love to hear from you at carguysreport at hotmail.com. Lou, I've been uh, looking forward to uh, asking you this question. Are you feeling sexy? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times people have confused me with that. So uh, probably uh, only if I'm in a great Lamborghini or something like that. I think uh, Elon Musk will f- finally, he's finally getting his sexy on um, when he first introduced the Model S, uh, you know, however many years it's been now, I think five or six years already. Uh, he, he wanted to have four models that would spell out the word sexy. And he had the Model S first which is the large four-door luxury sedan. Then he had the Model X, which is the uh, SUV with the funky falcon wing doors. And then um, he has now the Model 3, so he's flipping the 3 to make it look like a backwards E. And then recently he's finally unveiled what the Model Y will look like. So that completes the sexy acronym there. Where did you hear that? It's, I've never even heard that. It is. When you asked me the question, I'm like, where's, I, where's Mark going? I'll, I'll say, and, and I'm not promoting this at all, um, I do own some Tesla stock, but okay. it's more of a speculation of anything. I don't own a Does Tesla. Does that come in the, the stock market reporters? It, it was one of the very first <laughs> things. It's just his, uh, his unique personality. And the Model Y does look like a, a an interesting vehicle. It's based on the Model 3, which uh, obviously we've been seeing all over on the roads once the floodgates opened last summer when they started producing them. But we won't probably see a Model Y until sometime in either the uh, spring of 2021 or um, uh, maybe the fall of 2020. With Tesla, it's always like, who knows when something's actually hit the roads. Now, is that the Roadster, the Y? No, the the Y is his compact SUV. Okay. Uh, and it looks a lot like 
um, a Model 3. It's just about 10% larger in size. It's a good-looking little vehicle, um, but again, you know, when are we going to see it? When is, when is it going to actually be here? We'll have to wait and see. But the prices, obviously that's going to change uh, the way he keeps playing with pricing, but it's starting around 39000 and it might go up to somewhere around sixty-two. But as with any Tesla vehicle, it's claimed to do zero to 60 in three and a half seconds, uh, have a uh, range of you know, two to 300 miles. So it'll be, a, it'll be an interesting vehicle when it comes out. And obviously, um, you know, we'll be talking about Tesla from time to time just because he's in the news all the time. And we're just curious to see what is actually going to happen if the company's going to run out of money or whatever. But, and then one other new uh, vehicle that uh, a lot of people were champing at the bit for was the uh, new Jeep Gladiator, the 2020 Jeep Gladiator. What it basically is, is it's uh, like a four-door Jeep Wrangler with uh, an extended wheelbase and a five-foot bed put on back. So it looks like a a pickup truck is is what it is. And uh, Jeep has not uh, made a uh, pickup since 1992. If you remember back, you remember the Jeep Comanche? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a kind of a neat-looking, kind of a mid-sized pickup truck. They made those from 86 through 92, and that was the last Jeep pickup. And they've been actually, um, people have been asking for one for the longest time. And so far, it's been getting incredibly good reviews. The launch... uh, uh, series was something like a little over 4,000 units. They sold out basically right away. Um, and they start in the low 40s, um, and they can go all the way up to $62,000, which is a lot of money. But the cool thing is it's, and, and I was just reading this recently, is that it, it kind of serves two purposes because it's an incredibly capable off-road vehicle. It has the practicality of a four, four-door cab, and it's a pickup truck. And you can also still take off the doors, fold down the windshield, and do all that funky stuff with it. So it's like a, a kind of a unique combination of things. I have yet to see one on the road, but um, it appears to be a, a big hit so far, and um, people are, are enjoying it. So that's good to hear. Um, we always like to talk about, on the Car Guys Report here, We also like to talk about cars that we've seen online that are either for sale or may have sold. And one thing I like to look at is uh, Bring a Trailer, which is just a great website. You see all kinds of incredibly cool um, cars for sale. It's an auction site. And I like to skim through those listings on a weekly basis and try to pick up something that maybe I thought was well-bought from the buyer's perspective. And uh, they had a 1968 Volvo 1800S, which is just the classic. It's the car that uh, Roger Moore drove in the Saint. Just a classic uh, uh, car that Volvo brought out to kind of be more sporty. This one sold for only $14,000, which isn't bad. Uh, It was pretty much an all-original car. It was green. It had a little rust here and there on it, but it looked presented very well. It only had 61,000 miles, and for 14,000, getting a a nice, clean uh, 1800S, I think, is a a good deal. Uh, And then, of course, we have our friends over across the pond in England at uh, Nicholas Mee, as uh, they're a long-term... Aston Martin dealer, and they always have some really, really cool stuff for sale on their used car lot, if you want to even call it that. I don't know if they have used car lots in in England. Maybe it's a farm setting or something like that, but this thing is so cool, and we touched on this, I think, in in our last episode. They have a 2012 Aston Martin 177, which was a very, very low production car, and 
this thing is just, it still looks like an Aston Martin, but it's a little bit more rakish. They only made 77 of these things. And to me, do you remember the McLaren SLR, uh, Mercedes McLaren SLR, the 722? It was basically uh, an extended hood, kind of a a coupe when they stuffed a huge supercharged, I think it was a supercharged engine in that thing. To me, it... It reminds me of that. It's kind of in the same vein, although you can get an SLR McLaren Mercedes for maybe 400000 and Nicholas Mee is asking 2 million pounds for the 177, which translates to about $2.6 million in uh, United States dollars. So if you're well-heeled and you want a car that they only made 77 of them, there you go. It's a 7.3-liter V12, uh, carbon fiber chassis, and uh, silver with black trim inside so very uh subdued uh, color combination but it's something that uh someone i'm probably sure will buy and enjoy of course you're listening to the car guys report informed automotive with mark vernon and lou costable be sure to check out some of the other programs that are offered on the radio misfits podcast network you can uh, join Rick Kempfer and Adam Howarth, who is the director of coaching for the uh, Illinois Youth Soccer Association, uh, Rick and Adam, discuss all the latest national, international, and local soccer news. Their podcast is called Free Kicks. It's an OPI show, and it's available only on the Radio Misfits podcast network. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. You can check it all out at radiomisfits.com. One of the things I've been looking forward immensely to talking about on the Car Guys Report is something that I came across a couple months ago in a car magazine. A Dutch artist by the name of Ruben, R-U-B-E-N, last name Ooms, O-O-M-S. And he is an incredibly talented illustrator and uh, sign painter, uh, pinstripe guy, Renderings. I mean, his, his work is amazing. He's got a website. It's rubenooms.com. You can check it out, and you can actually see some of the stuff we're going to talk about here. He's done what I call retro in reverse. Uh, a lot of times, you know, uh, these days, Lou, we see cars like the Mustang that have steadily evolved, and that they reach a point where they want to look back and kind of draw uh, retro clues or cues uh, and put it on a current model. What Ruben has done is he has taken current models of cars like the Porsche Cayenne SUV that weren't even made 40 or 50 years ago and rendered them out to, at least in his vision, what they would look like back in 1972 or 1980 or whatever. And some of the highlights of his portfolio, he, he did the Porsche Cayenne, has a 1972 Porsche Cayenne, and he's calling it a 911 Cayenne. So he put an air-cooled rear engine in this thing. He's got like a kind of a black vinyl roof. He's got the thing jacked up, and it it looks like what a Cayenne would have looked like, I think, in 1972. I mean, it's just it's just the genius is just amazing. You were marveling at the uh, the Land Rover Evoque. He took a a, La- a Range Rover Evoque. And he's calling it the 1979 Range Rover Evoque. And to me, it, it looks a lot like an uh, international scout of the era, just kind of the, the chunky, squared-off look to it. And the color, you know, a lot of these mid-'70s cars are either going to be bright green or bright orange or kind of muted towards the end of that decade. 
He also did a, a rendering, his version of a uh, Prius that uh, he said would have come out in 1977. And this car, it looks still like a Prius, but it's a little more slab-sided, more angular, and it's this kind of like tan color, which, again, is just, to me, screams 1970s Japan. And um, I know, Lou, you have a Viper, and you were saying, well, the only car here that doesn't really look like what I thought a Viper would look like in the 70s is his version of a Viper. He did a wonderful rendition of a 60s Corvette and called it a Viper. That's what, that's what, and I, I do agree. It looks a lot more like a Corvette than, than a Viper, but it, it's a cool car though. And it's very cool. His talents are amazing. You were, you were also, yeah. you were also just, just uh, totally gushing over his, his version of a, a 1956 BMW i8, which is the, uh, uh, kind of hybrid electric they have out now that's that's a sports car and he kind of turned it into a a, a, a retro version of a 507 kind of he, more modern yeah, touches. Yeah, he took that Gorilla the 507 and somehow combined it with the angles and it's just, just spectacular. I think that's my favorite of the ones that he's done but Share with us again that website. Yeah, it's Ruben Ooms, R-U-B-E-N-O-O-M-S dot com. He uh, lives near Amsterdam, and uh, he's got his portfolio samples basically online. It's just really cool stuff. I think uh, I think our listeners will certainly enjoy that. And uh, just to, you know, one thing I forgot to say, because we're all excited here, we're coming to you from the Car Guys Report state-of-the-art studio inside the Car Guys Report warehouse. So just to make sure that uh, you know who we are and where we are, more or less, uh, that's the way we do it. But um, the other uh, feature uh, for this episode, and I think it's something that, I've certainly been roped into from the way I look at car collecting and things like that. And I think you have, too, because you have a Jaguar convertible, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what year is that? Uh, 2010. Okay. You have a 2010 Jaguar, which I assume you bought used. Bought it used. Yeah. It's the R, so it's got the uh, supercharger. Yeah. Um, the way that supercars, exotics, uh, high-end cars like a Bentley... Jaguars, Aston Martins, uh, certain models of Mercedes, just uh, achieve massive uh, depreciation. And it's always so tempting because you're like, well, I could never afford a new Bentley, but hey, I can find a Bentley for 40 grand. Is it worth it? And I've been there. (laughs) I just sold my Bentley. I had a 94 Continental R, which is a a two-door model that was produced for about 12 years. At the time, it was the most expensive production car made when it debuted in 91. It was $275,000, and you can buy them now for pennies on the dollar. I think what, did, I, what did you pick yours up for? I think I paid thirty-four for mine. That's unbelievable. And you look at the, yeah, and that, and, and that, that two seventy-five is in 1994 dollars. So if you equate that today's dollars, it's like $450,000, and you're, and you're paying $34,000 for, for a car, it was... How many miles was it? There was it was no, a no slightly mile. no. It was high, slightly higher miles for for those cars. Cool. A lot of those cars you find it. Mine had sixty six thousand on it, which is that's nothing. But it's a lot when you look at a lot of Bentleys that sit in a garage all the time. You find them with thirty thousand. But my my thinking there was it's a Bentley. It's got all that hydraulic suspension and and the mineral oil and the the accumulators for the rear suspension that's the stuff you want to keep exercised so i thought it would be better to buy a car with higher mileage on it because at least you know it's been driven fairly regularly and it's going to be you know ostensibly in better condition um 
and it was it was an okay car. I think I've passed my 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 Bentley fantasies. Um, but you said, what did I pay for it? I paid thirty four for it. But of course, I'm one of these people that when I buy something, I have to make sure it's a hundred percent. And I am spending some like seven thousand dollars on getting the front end rebuilt because the, the shocks were gone and you just can't go down to your local auto parts store and say, hey, give me a, a front shock for a Bentley, a uh, 94 Bentley Continental R. I mean, everything's proprietary on that car. And they were like $3,000 each. And that's, I think, the 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 trap that people are, are worried about that, hey, okay, I, I can afford a $40,000 exotic, but am I ready to uh, potentially spend 20000 on up, you know, repairs or maintenance or upkeep or just fixing stuff that might need it right away. And it's a judgment call. I mean, if you really, you know, I, I've had a good experience pretty much with the Aston Martin that I have. Um, again, that's another car that was uh, bought for 20 cents on the dollar. Uh, and it's a fantastic car as far as what, how it's equipped and what it has in it and what it represents. I think the best thing, if you're interested in doing something like this, would be to obviously make sure you get the best car you can find for the price, you know, whatever your price range is. Try to, you know, just anything you would do with a normal car, used car purchase. But then you just have to, what I always do is I always just start looking at spare parts prices and see how much those cost. And you'd be surprised that there's some parts that are really not that expensive. Uh, a lot of electrical components uh, can sometimes not be that expensive. It, it, the specifics, sometimes, like I said, though, the suspension stuff on the Bentley, certain other proprietary uh, pieces can be quite expensive. But there are, like with the Aston, there's a lot of car, uh, parts that uh, cross-reference to it to basically your jag like brakes and things like that so if you know where to look you can do better i think so i want to mention something right off the bat too we're pretty much normal guys we're talking about bentleys and jaguars and things like that but we've picked them up used and like i said pennies on the dollar now mark's fortunate enough to be single so his kids are his cars <laughs> i have actually kids and cars uh however the point is that uh you know, if you can afford it to get something brand new with a warranty, I mean, hey, God bless you. I'm happy for you. At the same time, though, if you need to wait, I really do think, especially with supercars, that you can wait for a while. Not some of them that are super limited and growing up in value, but if you want to get a nice Corvette or you want to get a nice car and you wait a little while for it, you know, you can really get some great deals. Well, there's always a natural depreciation curve with a lot of cars, too. Like Corvettes, I don't know. I, I think I read once that it was something like 13 years was the, you know, a Corvette at 13 years old from whatever the current date is, is the lowest uh, depreciation. Then it starts climbing. And I don't know if that it, that that formula kind of holds true with a lot of cars, not necessarily 13 years. But there's a point where they kind of bottom out and then people might start rediscovering them or, or realizing, hey, this is like, you know, they don't they're not going to be making V12 engines forever. So if you want a V12, here's a great opportunity to buy something like that. Um, but, yeah, like you said, I think if you want to wait and, you know, one thing too, hopefully, and, and this is hard to say, that if you buy a car like we we're talking about, like a Bentley or an Aston Martin or even, you know, a Corvette, that you're hoping that the car has been taken care of by the owner, unless they're track, tracking it or something like that. You think that these people have enough uh, money and enough uh, pride to maintain their car. So you might be getting a car that's super clean and, 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 and low mileage. Well, that's another thing. I, I'm not. Um, I'm a fan of talking to the person who had it 
because that'll give you a lot of information. I know there's always a lot of auction houses that sell cars, and I, you know, I don't pick one auction house over another. I, I, you know, some of them are a lot of fun to go to, but if you can ever talk to the person who actually owned the car, that gives you huge insights. For example, just what you shared about 13 years later, take a look at a car, or even 10 years later. One other thing, even about 10 years later, if the car has low miles, even from an insurance standpoint, you can list it as a classic car. In a classic car, your insurance almost goes in half. That's what I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm paying next to nothing to insure some of my cars, you know, full coverage, roadside assistance, and everything, yeah. And, and you insure it as a classic. Um, and I've, I've picked out a couple of uh, examples of, of the kind of cars we're talking about. A 2006 Bentley Continental GT Coupe, that was the... Uh, first rendition of the uh, Bentley once Volkswagen owned them. So it's basically, it's a German engineered car. I, I always kind of call it like, it's still more German than, than British, although it's built in Britain. And this car had 58,000 miles on it and it was at a dealer. So it was, you know, it was a legitimate, um, uh, you know, not some guy in a back alley selling you a car. So, you know, it's not stolen or anything, but 38,000 for a 2006 Bentley. And this car was 150 plus you know, just a few years ago, and the car's only 13 years old. I mean, that's not bad. And you could have a lot of fun with a car like that. Another one, um, Mercedes don't necessarily depreciate heavily, but the higher-end models that they have limited productions on uh, do. And uh, 2007 Mercedes-Benz S65 AMG, that's the, the, the big S-Class sedan, but it's the AMG, so it's got a bi-turbo v12 like 600 plus horsepower 730 pound feet of torque i mean the car's a monster and this thing had a pretty good mileage too this was a 2007 52,000 miles 29.9 for a car and this car in 2007 it probably went for 150 plus and now if you look at uh a, a 2019 uh s65 amg you're looking at like two hundred and twenty thousand, which is the same price for a Honda HRV with all-wheel drive. <laughs> there you go. See you, that that's when you equate it like that. Then of course I'm going to be a little biased here, but this is a, an amazing example since I do own a, an Aston Martin. This is a 2002 Aston Martin DB7 uh, Volante convertible. So I have the just the regular Vantage. So I have a hard top. I'm not really a convertible guy. But this is the Volante, and I think they go for just slightly less. But these cars, it's a V12. This has the automatic, and it does have high mileage on it. And I was I was impressed though that someone actually maintained and and proved that you can drive an Aston Martin to 109,000 miles and still nice. have it be in good shape. Uh, the MSRP on this vehicle was 161,000 in 2002 and it was being sold for $21,000, 12 cents on the dollar for an Aston Martin. And I mean this is the kind of car that you could buy for 20 grand and just have a ton of fun in even if you just drive it in the summer to like get ice cream or go to a car show or a drive-in movie or something and you know i don't think you'd lose any money at 21 grand unless you got to put some maintenance into it but it just thinks like that car could be a ton of fun and i just think that and you you would look totally cool in it too you'd have i think i think that's the point the point is that if you don't have an interest in cars drive whatever you want but if you have an interest in cars and that's why you're probably listening to this podcast then the goal is to have that freedom and have that uniqueness 
and you can do it somewhat affordably. And even if you bought a car like that, where's it going to go? I mean, how far can it go down? Exactly. So, At some point, they're going to have to go back up. I know that. I always keep thinking that. Like you said, buy what you like, basically. I mean, that's that's the watchword for everything these days with antiques or art or whatever. Just don't necessarily buy something because you think you're going to make money on it. Buy it because you like it. And that's what I did. I mean, I bought my S Martin because I like it. It's a V12. And mine happens to be a six-speed manual, which I didn't know at the time when I bought it. But when I after I got it and I started... Um, talking to some more people they said that hey the six speed is really rare and i'm thinking at some point and i've read car magazine articles um editorials saying that at some point people are going to wake up and go they're not going to make v12s forever if you can find a car with a v12 and a manual not a, a a dual clutch automatic but just a regular standard manual transmission those are going to be more desirable and at some point it'll probably go up in value but I'm not waiting for that day. I'm <laughs> just driving it yeah, and having, having fun. fun. Exactly. Um, you can always so uh, subscribe and listen to the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive on iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Just search for Radio Misfits. You can also rate us because we want to know um, what you think, and it also makes it easier when you subscribe. Uh, it makes it easy for you to find us on your device because it automatically shows up when a new episode is released. And uh, then you can always, always keep in touch with the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive on your uh, mobile device or uh, at home on your regular computer, too, if anyone has one of those anymore. I still do. But um, we also, uh, every episode of the Car Guys Report, we also want to uh, talk about what is going on with your YouTube channel, Lou called My Car Story with Lou. You're always uh, videotaping and talking to uh, interesting owners of interesting cars. And what uh, can we look forward to uh, coming up on your channel? Well, thanks, Mark. The ones that come to my mind, as I just shared, Preston Tucker's Tucker just uh, popped up on the channel. That's going to be interesting and a lot of fun. And sometimes the cars that I don't think that are going to do well do really well with viewers, and the cars that I think that are going to do well sometimes don't go too far. So one of the cars that just did really well was I did a 60 Biscayne okay. with a 469. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so it's a, That's a sleeper, uh, yeah, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. So so that was that was a Batman's car. And then um, that did really well on the channel. That was pretty exciting. The other thing that was uh, exciting on the channel was uh, I did a I went through the Muscle Car and Corvette National, which is a phenomenal show. It's the third weekend in November. I highly recommend that if you love muscle cars. And as I'm walking by, I saw a '79 Turbo Coupe Buick, which the back end of it has almost like a wedge yeah, cheese shape. Yeah, I know. It. I know that. It car, almost yeah. looks like it's going in reverse. If you ran it in reverse, it would be more aerodynamic, in my opinion. But the question is, when's the last time you've seen one and you just don't? Never. <laughs> so that car did really, really well on the channel. I'll also share that uh, I just videoed a 71 Hemi Cuda, and uh, we took a little ride in that as well. Uh, that was Tom Lembeck's car, and that'll be coming up on the channel. Cool. Great. That's good. And, um, yeah, I, I, I like the oddball stuff, obviously. And um, it's always neat when you can find a car like the Buick that you were talking about because it's like, yeah, when's the last time you saw one of those? I think that's something we're going to see more and more um, as the um, baby boomers um, mature is a lot of the regular cars that people grew up with in the 60s and in the 70s 
uh, that no one ever thought to, to save, you know, like a run-of-the-mill station wagon or something, like those uh, uh, GM station wagons with the uh, tailgates that would slide down into the floor. And I can't remember what they called that, the magic gate or something like that. But when do you see those? You don't see those anymore. And people are going to be wanting them, and they're going to become desirable because there's not that many of them around. And I think that's always fascinating when, when cars that people deemed as just basically throwaways, appliances, become collectible. <laughs> it's always neat to see them, you know. And you're always on the hunt for stuff like that, which is great. So Yeah, I, I look at that, and I'm, I call it the what factor. You walk by and you go, what? That's, that's the car you want to video. <laughs> On the uh, next episode of the Car Guys Report, we're going to talk a little bit about display garages for the mega rich. And we're even going to take it past what is called a uh, car condo into something that integrates a garage right into the house. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. And also the question, how far would you go to restore a car? We've seen uh, a lot of stuff on uh, TV, online of pictures of cars. Like, I can't believe it used to look like this and now it looks like this. We'll see. How far would you go to restore a car? We'll talk a little bit about that. Of course, more cool car stuff, what we've seen on the roads and things like that. It's all part of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Car Guys Report. I'm Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable. Special uh, thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with Opie Productions. It's distributed by Ed Silha on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. <laughs> The proceeding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. We are happy to have Mark Cuban on the show. Is there a way that we can monetize my daughter's eye rolls? Can you do anything? Can, can you figure that out? So my daughter, I'll let her put on on Sirius XM, whatever song she likes. We pull into this half circle when I drop her off and, you know, she's ready to get out of the car. I'll say, I love you, sweetie. Bam! Blast it. And, you know, and if it's a song I know the words to, then I'm singing along, too, and her friends are looking at me and looking at the oh. car. Oh, man, there's nothing you know? more embarrassing than dad singing along. <laughs> oh, man, it's like, Kiki, do you love me? <laughs> Tony Lasano Podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Radiomisfits.com. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, we'll talk about how rich guys like to show off their car collection, and it's not your typical man cave. Plus, how far would you go to restore a car? I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Costable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, and Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.